0: Life can be tricky, making us ask, what was that? Join host Jan Murray and her guests as they explore the that's of life. Welcome to Life After That. Hello, everyone. I'm Jan Murray, your host of Life After That. Thank you for joining us for part two of Lee Durst and her story about her beloved husband, Michael, who passed away from ALS. We pick up right where we left off in part one as she talks about the after part of that journey.
1: Even my grandkids, you know, they they ask about how I'm feeling. And I, my granddaughter, I joke with her because I am only 57 now and I'll say something about a boyfriend and she is adamant that that will not happen. (laughs) See, I'm not even interested. So (laughs) I really am not either, but I, you know, to joke with her, right. Oh yeah. My kids will joke with me
0: about that uh, as well. And I'm like, nah, they, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there that will first of all measure up to their dad. And exactly plus I don't and I I'm very honest about this. I don't ever want to put myself in the position of being a caretaker again.
1: Nope. And, oh, oh, I know. I know. And I I have a sick dad now. I, I've been hanging out, I hang out with my dad. It's like really sick because I'm with him all the time. <laughs> I <laughs> you wish know, I still had so my that. dad. I'm glad you're able to do that. Well, I am, and and so. We go to concerts together because we like kind of the same musics and. What we, kind of music? Um, like the old seventies kind of. Oh, rock same and here. Roll. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. rock and roll. I'm uh, I'm into all the seventies rock and roll and late sixties and Queen and all of that. So. Oh yeah, that was my
1: husband's favorite group. And- Queen is
0: my favorite, and they're going to be in Nashville, five hours from me, in October. I've just found out, and I'm like. I have to find a way to buy a ticket. They go on sale this week.
1: Yes. I
0: want to go so bad.
1: Well, I know even when Mike hit the wheelchair, I was able to take him to, there was a cover band of uh, Pink Floyd. And <laughs> Pink Floyd was one of his favorite. And me, I really am not a big fan of Pink Floyd because they're weird.
0: They are but weird. But he liked
1: Pink Floyd. So I got him tickets and took him to that concert. And he oh. was so happy.
0: My because husband was he, more country music and I'm rock and roll. He's a little country, oh, I was
1: rock and roll. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we were both country. We are both rock and roll. Um, he really found a lot of solace in his music. Yeah. Uh, to him, music was very important.
0: Yeah, Bill too. I had um, thousands of songs on his uh, what mini yeah. iPad that we had attached to his wheelchair. And he could hit it with that one or two fingers he could use and listen to that music. And he loved that so much.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, he, the, the the birthday before he passed, we did a drive-by. I put a call out to people on bikes to please come and join us for his birthday drive-by. We had, well over 70 bikes we had cars we had a dump truck we had a loader it was the whole parking lot of one of our older hotels was completely full um that showed up for this
0: that's amazing
1: oh it was wonderful like he cried oh you know he was so and people just stopping to come and say hello and happy birthday I'm sure it really pissed them off because it was COVID (laughs) but I don't care at this point what is he got point right lock him in his room uh you know don't let him out of his room fine be whatever but he needed that he needed that he needed to know and it was uh ALS Awareness Month here in Alberta and so we ended up doing a little article for the newspaper um, to just bring a little more awareness. So not only did it help him, but it helped bring more awareness.
0: Oh, yeah. We know did several articles and different things over the years. We're on TV a few times. And I yep. wrote a book that's on six continents now. And then I'm doing this. I think the more we all talk about it, uh, the more we are open about it, the more people become aware of it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, in this city, when he was first diagnosed, there were three people, him and two others. Actually, it was him and three others, and then one of them had passed. And so my husband requested from the ALS society that, you know, is it possible to meet these people? Right. So we have, you know someone that we can kind of hang out with that knows what we're going through. Well, we met the gentleman here and they became fast friends. Um, We got to know their caregivers at that time. We didn't have caregivers because we didn't need them. And he passed a year before my husband. And yeah, it, it was hard. That was the first kind of stab in the heart. Um, because of course you get to know this gentleman, you get to know his family, um, you're going into their home. They are coming to your home. So you really develop a close and deep friendship right away. We
0: did too. We had a really close knit support group through the ALS association and, um, it meant the world and Bill got real close. I don't know what's happening with that. (laughs) Bill got real close to a couple of the members and, um, it means a lot. They get to be friends with someone who understands. Yeah. And we get to know the spouses or the caregivers who understand our part. Yeah. I think it's super important for sure.
1: Well, and it put us in a position where this gentleman, his wife left him when he found out.
0: Oh, I yeah. can't imagine. And I can't no, even I imagine.
1: And, and so it it kind of gave him a different perspective for me. Right wow she's really here for the long haul that's it and you know as upset as you would get and I know that his frustrations and and stuff like that weren't so much at me it was the disease itself right and I always had to tell myself that
0: right you know
1: He's not really angry with me. He's angry with the situation.
0: With the situation. And he was, sounds like he was full of life and activity, just like my husband. And yeah. and that's just stripped away from them. And yeah. I had to remind myself sometimes too, wow, why are you complaining? Look what he's lost, you know? I know, and,
1: right? Yeah. I know.
0: It doesn't make it really easier, but it does make you put it in perspective so you can maybe yeah. handle the situation. Yeah, so this is what we're going to do, Lee. We're going to close out this episode and uh, Lee will be back in two weeks for the part two of her story. And we're going to talk to her next time about what she's done since Mike passed away and how life is going now. So Lee, thank you for coming and we'll see you in two weeks.
1: You bet. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay, so Lee, we are so glad that you are back with us for this episode. And she is going to share with us what life has been like since her husband of almost 35 years, Mike, passed away in September of 2020. So, welcome back, Lee.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. And I lied, it was actually almost 20, 36 years. Oh, wow. We married in 1986, not in 1985. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, so tell me
0: what life's been like since. And if you would just review real quickly that last day, you know, what happened, uh, how it happened, and then when you started recovering.
1: Okay. So the the last day, because he did it, uh, a medical assistant dying, mm-hmm. we knew the exact date and the exact time he was going to pass. So um the night before and the day of the morning of, because he... He was scheduled for one o'clock, family came and and they were around him and I had spent the night with him. And he specifically requested that only myself and our two daughters were in the room with him. Um, And unfortunately, you know, with the ALS, it does affect the vocal cords. Right, and because he couldn't speak, and he cried. Um, I think not that he was afraid to die; he was afraid to leave us. Yes, of course. And I don't think this is this is the hardest part because it's so fresh. He wailed a lot, and that was so hard.
0: I'm sure it was
1: because there was a lot of pain there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we sat with them they couldn't find his vein Um, they even had an ultrasound there to do the to find the vein right but when they did the doctor took us through it and my husband used to get injections in his back and this doctor would administer those injections and he said you know he said all these years I've given you needles he said that cause you pain He said, I'm giving you a needle to take that pain away. And so we sat with him and they give him an injection and it just puts them to sleep. They give him propofol. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he went to sleep. And then they tell us when they give the last injection. And we sat with him while he took his last breath. And then everybody kind of left the room except me. And I just sat with him for a while. And then after that, we got. I got up and I had gone outside where there was tons of family waiting outside. And so we sat and talked and some of the people wanted to go in and say their final goodbyes. And we had, our, our grandson was 16 at the time. And I came back up to the room and there was a good friend of ours there. And I looked over and we were kind of standing in a circle and there's my grandson holding my husband's hand, just talking to him like a normal day. Mm -hmm. And I was so proud, you know, Um, he had to come and say goodbye. Unfortunately, that morning, my daughter lost her keys in the toilet. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) In all the, you know, the confusion, you know what's happening. And yeah, she flushed her keys down her toilet, down the toilet in the home. Oh, dear. Um, No trap, didn't catch them. So, you know that that was emotional in itself. Of and course. Then was coming. And they sat with him. Um, my youngest was sitting on the bed, and she was, you know, twenty eight at the time, and she said it it almost felt like he picked her up and and moved her off the bed and just kind of pushed her towards the door. She had to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's fine. And then some other friends came and said goodbye. And I, I had gone to the funeral home a couple weeks prior, knowing that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They said, okay, we know this is going to happen. So now we can make the arrangements. And the girl who drove the hearse was a friend of our neighbors. And she lived at that neighbor's house. And so we have seen her. And she said, she asked the girl across the street, what kind of music might like because she always plays music for the deceased when they go to the funeral home, mm. music they like. And she said, "Well, he likes good old rock and roll, you know, ACDC." She said, "Well, I'll play Thunderstruck." That so I said, in,
0: ACDC is my ringtone on my phone, but
1: uh, shook me all night long, though not Thunderstruck. Right. Well, I said to I said to my neighbor, I said, "No, no," I said, "You tell her." She's got to play highway to hell <laughs> because he had that warped sense of humor. Uh-huh. And she said, when I talked to her the next day, when I went down to start making arrangements, she did, she put him in the, they put him in the car. She said, she rolled down the windows and she cranked highway to hell. And she played that all the way down to the funeral home. Mm. She said, I got some of the funniest looks. She said, but I don't care. <gasps> because I said he's up there laughing now because that's his kind of final ha ha on everybody
0: <laughs> I love it
1: Yep. Yeah. so he they do a, a like a color party when they take them out of the home mm-hmm. and our friends that work there said they've never seen one that large he made a huge impact in a month and a half two months that he was there
0: that's amazing and
1: yeah they just it was huge so we did that we had a very kind of um relaxed service it wasn't even really a service by that point we were allowed 100 people in a room so I said okay bar open because we (laughs) did it at our legion and he was because he was cremated and we had his ashes there And I said, bar open, luncheon served. My aunt is a lay minister. So we did some of it like a a, a real service. And then we just had people come up and speak. And we played some songs. And one of the songs was um, like a rock. Mm -hmm. Because when he had his accident, my daughters looked at him and said, you know, when they hear that song, they think of their dad. Oh, yeah. He's like a machine. Like, he shouldn't have lived through the the accident. Right. And so, to them, that was their theme song for him. And in the meantime, I had sold his motorbike to a friend of ours who had come in from BC. And he had bought it about three to four weeks prior. And he was able to come down for the service. And so, we started playing like a rock and giving the story. And he's like, oh, my God. Another friend of ours says, you have to tell the story. So he stood up and he said, when he got the bike, he was taking it out for a drive and he was playing around with buttons and the CD came on and it was that song.
0: How about that?
1: Yeah. So I said, you know, it was meant to be, it was meant to be. So we got through the service. Okay. And, and, you know, um, I I was kind of nervous about what was going to happen with his family. Um, it's always been a kind of an up and down relationship. But his sister said to me, you know, I don't want to lose touch. Promise me you'll stay in touch. So up until this winter, we had been coughing at least once a week, um, which reminds me, I got to get a hold of her so we can get together. But um, I promised her I would stay in touch with his family. And I do. Um They were very supportive of Mike and I while he was alive. Um, I think I'm kind of their last hold on him. Yeah. And so they like me to stay involved. His sister, he's got a sister that lives in the Yukon. She calls me, you know, once or twice, you know, every six months, uh, which I find amazing. Yeah. So after he had passed, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I decided I was going to move jobs because they weren't very pleasant when Mike passed. So I switched jobs and I decided, okay, I want to sell the house. I also went to a psychic medium, which was good um, because whether it's real or not, doesn't matter.
0: It made you feel better. That's what matters in my opinion.
1: It did because what I got from it was that he's happy. He's in a place where he's not suffering anymore. Right. And it wasn't my fault. I didn't have to feel guilty about my answers. There you go. Kind of something that I needed to hear.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, Christian, my faith has changed. My faith hasn't wavered, but my belief system has changed dramatically. Yep. It's going through everything. I I would say I'm more open to things than I've ever been. And uh, I've had encounters with two psychics, one intentionally and one that I didn't know I was. And to me, I feel like I was given credible information that meant something to me that they couldn't have known and well, i don't care how that came to me it gave me some peace so yep. and i and have that some things it, that right? happen now that 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 happened that i just know somehow he's around at specific times that come up frequently yep. and um mm-hmm. when my mother passed away right a couple of days after christmas past christmas um I felt like he was there because she was really struggling to let go. And I looked at the clock and I looked at my sister. I said, well, Bill's here. And I said, Bill, could you help mom? She's having a hard time. And in that moment, she took her last breath. And I really feel like he was there. And for several days after mom died, actually for a couple of weeks, the particular time that comes kept coming and I just felt like he was really hanging around. Now, I just thought the other day, I thought, gosh, I haven't noticed those numbers anymore. I don't think he's been around much lately. And yeah. I, I felt that. I felt a little emptier, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to align it with my own religion. I, I don't really like religion. I kind of left religion so I could find Jesus is basically what I've right.
1: done. Right. And
0: um, he's, I I really, you know, there's so much we don't know. But I think at times maybe they are allowed to be around us,
1: you know. And I, you know, I'm I can't say that I've been an overly religious person in my life, but we've always like my mom and and we've always had these beliefs that that uh, there is an afterlife, there is something after, and that someone this can't be all. No, No, that's right, and and so. We've always been like that. And and my husband was never, you know, oh, that's baloney. Because I did go to a reading after my mom had passed. And she passed, like, way back in 2004. And he's like, oh, it's baloney. And one night we were laying in bed and our TV turned on all by itself. And I said, nothing. I got up. He got up and he's like, my mom's name was Rowena. And he's like, Rowena, stop it. (laughs) It never happened again. So it wasn't for my benefit. It was for his. Yeah. And so when I went to the psychic, she said things that she, I knew the girl actually personally, mm-hmm. uh, Mike had worked with her, but we didn't get the connection until I got there to get my reading done. And she goes, that's why Mike's here.
0: <laughs>
1: he said he comes and and talks to her to talk to her husband because she worked with his, her husband. And she said some things that she wouldn't have known. I got a really big tattoo after my husband passed mm-hmm. and it's all our family flowers. And she said, um, you got a new tattoo. I went, uh, yep. <laughs> he said he likes it. He says he loves it. So I know these things and he's with his mom and he's with his dad and he's with, you know, my family's up there with him too. So it made me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. But then months, just a couple months ago, <gasps> hey, stop it. I had a very terrible dream where he came to me in my dream and told me we were over. And I think that's just his way of saying you need to move on.
0: You I had one of my psychic friends break. tell me that his message to me was that my life wasn't over and there was more and there would be love again. And I thought, Nope, I'm not, see, I'm not interested at all. I mean, not at, not even a little bit. I'm just not, I, my life is wrapped around a three-year-old grandson and a newborn grandson and my work and my animals, my six rabbits, my chihuahua, my cat. (laughs) I, you know, I'm just not, and like I told you earlier, I am convinced that, and I tried to convince my doctor because he, t- my doctor was trying to tell me I needed to have a social life. I said I have a social life, but it doesn't involve men, sex, or any of that. I'm not yeah. interested. I, no. I just, I'm not interested. I'm just not. No. <laughs> I don't not want to either. be. A, I don't want to be a caregiver again. So I said, but no. what if you need a caregiver? I said my kids will just have to put me in the nursing home because I'm not. I'm not doing that
1: again. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. And that's exactly it. I don't want to go through and I don't want to go through that heart wrenching. No, no, I I really don't. Once was enough for me.
0: Thank you so Um, much at the same way. Yep.
1: I, I'm quite happy. I mean, I have my daughter and my grown nephew living with me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because inevitably I did sell my house. I, I, I couldn't stay there. Right. And it's funny because he really wanted me to stay there. He had such a huge attachment to that house.
0: We had gotten, we had pretty much lost everything by the time he died, just medically, every um, financially, it destroyed us. Yeah. What I have now is mine. He's never been here. I only have a few mementos, like our wedding picture and, you know, some things that are boxed up, but everything in here is mine, has only been mine. I'm not going to sit surrounded by the past and memories I'm just not going to because I think that's unhealthy
1: yeah I I, I agree
0: yeah I like to move forward I mean I'll have a day or two where I get sad and I have to wallow in pity because on top of burying my husband I've buried four children too that died in infancy oh and but I can't live there I have to yeah keep going And I I think it's a mistake for those. I can't get rid of his chair or her chair. I'm not going to sit there and stare at the chair. The first thing I wanted to get rid of was the chair.
1: Yeah, see, and he kept his chair downstairs. So that didn't bother me. Yeah, Um, I use that. I never really got to see it a lot. So that's gone. I mean, that's here. But I mean, when I bought the house that I moved into now, it's right directly across the street from my other daughter. And so my grandkids come and go. Oh, don't you um, love that? I wish I was closer oh, to mine. It's fantastic. And yeah. my, my grandkids, uh, especially my granddaughter, are, are into horse riding. So I take them out because as a young girl, I used to ride horses. And I used to barrel race and do all that fun stuff. Oh, wow. And my granddaughter wants to do that. And so I'm very involved in that. And now I'm ended up taking lessons myself. Oh yeah! I went but-
0: skydiving. Skydiving was my thing that I did
1: afterwards. Oh Wow. I See, loved yeah, it. I sold the motorbikes and the trailer and all of that stuff. And now I take horse riding lessons. I've just gone on in a completely different direction.
0: Yeah, I'm a completely different person. Uh, yeah. Different career. Finished. I got more another degree working on another one. I just completely changed everything i'm still not i think i'm still a very nice person i'm a sincere person but i try to stay positive and just move forward but there's nothing much about me that's the same as it was then
1: yeah Um, and i i think for me i've become far more forward and direct
0: same hey we've been through a lot we're we're not gonna take bull anymore (laughs) exactly and 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 i'm pretty much gonna tell you like it is these days yep Yep, yeah.
1: because I don't have time. I don't see have how time and I don't have time. patience.
0: And I'm 61. Yeah. In April 13th, I'll be 61. Most people think I'm in my 40s and I love them when they tell me that. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I've got another 10, maybe if I'm lucky, 20 years left on this earth. Yeah. And that's not a lot of time.
1: No, not really.
0: So I don't intend to spend my time being sad or depressed. Yeah. Uh, I guess I stress over finances cuz it's tough on one income by myself.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, but you know, I'm still I'm ha- I'm happy. I'm poor but I'm happy. That's what I like yeah. to say. But I yeah. and I am happy.
1: So. Yeah. And I I am I'm I'm probably looking at another career change cuz I'm not necessarily happy where I work because that's become all consuming. Like well, life is too short, so you just do what you have to do. Exactly. Because I was working this summer. I think I worked two months straight without a day off. Wow. Days were 12 and 13 hours in the day.
0: Wow. And I'm like,
1: I was married and I yeah. don't want to be married. And yeah. especially to a job. Right. Exactly. Um, so I'm kind of looking at something that's a little slower, um, you know, but I can take my time and look. That's the nice right. thing. Um, I don't have to just jump into the next job because, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, you know, and like I said, I, I moved across the street from my daughter, uh, and the kids and my son-in-law. And so on nights, like when she works in the school system, so she gets the holidays that the kids have and I get Sunday and Monday off. So on a Sunday night when they have no school, We'll go over there for dinner and we'll sit and have beers or whatever. And I can just walk on home and I'm fine.
0: Oh, that just sounds perfect. I had to drive about 45 minutes to get to my daughter's to see my grandchildren. But that's still better than further than that. And I I stay so busy with work anyway. It's... Um, but anyway, I, I tell you, you sound like you've recovered well, and I will ask you one last question for those okay. who are possibly listening, who are either going through it or have already gone through what we've gone through. What would you say, in your opinion, is the best thing they can do for themselves as they get into the recovery? Because you're out only about two years, a little over two years, yeah. and i am gone yeah. out now, June to be six for me. So it's very different as you progress. But what would you tell those who are just entering the post-ALS phase or who might be struggling? In your opinion, what's made the difference for you in picking back up life and carrying on?
1: Um, I think part of it is that there was a lot of suffering beforehand. Yeah. And I think for me and I think for everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, That once you have that diagnosis, you start grieving then.
0: You do. You grieve every day because you lose something every day.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So you go through so much grief prior. Yeah. That I think once it actually happens that they pass, it's kind of, I mean, it's final. It's final. It's, It's done. It's over. There is no more suffering. Yes, I love him dearly and I miss him. Immensely, but now I have to go on, and I have to figure out how to do that. And so, I just one step at a time, yeah. And I'm starting to pick up new interests, uh, old interests that are new. Yeah, I'm continuing on with my old interests. Like I play softball. I have for thirty odd years. I'm not about ready to give up. I play with my daughter now and. So I continue on with that. Surround yourself with people who understand, mm-hmm. who who know. Doesn't mean you have to talk about it or you have to not talk about it, but have have those supports. Right. People that you can just go and get a good belly laugh from. Because it's okay to have a good belly laugh. It's okay. It okay. To, it's okay to be happy.
0: Yes, that's the hard thing. I think most people have trouble. They feel guilty for feeling happy, but their loved one would want them to be happy. That's what I try to tell them, but they would want you to be happy.
1: Yeah. They don't want you um, feeling bad all the time. Right. Um, And I think, I think, I don't want to call it wallowing, but when you get stuck in that, that place, you stay there. You're not going to get out of it. You've got to try and change your whole way of thinking and say, I remember the first time I said, I'm single. <sighs> oh, that was terrible. I just, I said something and I said, I'm single. And I went, oh my God, I am. For me, it
0: was filing my federal income tax and I had to check. Cause after the first year in our country, you can't choose, you can't check the widow box anymore. You have to go back and check single. Oh. And so after 30 Five, almost 36 years at that point I had to check the single box for the first time and it really threw me for a loop yeah I mean I had long changed my wedding band I had moved it from my left hand to my right hand and then I had stopped yeah. wearing it and I wear a ring I don't know if you can see that I wear a ring oh. this ring actually has his one thumb that still worked I had right. that thumbprint taken and engraved all the way around that band
1: Oh, isn't that nice? So I
0: wear that on my right hand. So I had long ago, I had stopped wearing the wedding band. And I remember I was actually sitting in a church, in church one Sunday, and I actually slid it off my left hand and put it on. And that was hard. But checking that income tax box for me, it was like, oh, no, I don't like this. I didn't want to be a widow, but then I didn't really want to be single either. But now I don't want to be married either. So I'm perfectly happy being single now.
1: (laughs) I think I can just put, I am me. I am me. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a whole person. Let's just call it that.
0: That's it. you are and a whole yes, person.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not dependent on anybody. I am me. Exactly. And so that was hard. And I think the transition of, you know, doing everything myself.
0: That is hard. That and when you're start. struggling to get groceries in sometime by yourself, it suddenly hits you. And I've yeah. cried over that before. I'm like, oh. <gasps> I could really use you right now. This is so hard, you know, and uh, yeah, little things are more likely to get me than big things.
1: Yes, me too. Because he was always, when I did a lot of things, I I had no brothers growing up. So for me to go somewhere to a, a garage And say, I need this done. Oh, no, you need that done. No, no, I don't. I'm telling you what I need done. And I did that while we were married. Yeah. So I never needed him to go to a garage or anything like that. But you're right. When you're struggling with the groceries, it's damn it. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? I'm
0: exhausted from cleaning. Why aren't you here helping me mop or vacuum or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's those things. And then I realized too how much he really was a helper in my life too. Well, there was moments when he was hunting more than he was helping and we would, have... <laughs> but was hunting. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I think what you said that our advice is to surround yourself with people who either understand or at least have some kind of empathy for what you're going through. And yeah to to not feel guilty if you need to laugh and be happy but to be happy and I think keep pushing forward I think that first year is pretty tough I I think I was in a fog the first year honestly I did a lot of things the first year I don't even remember Yeah, and I think I was just functioning but year two was hard
1: I found year two which I'm just you're still in yeah yeah to be the hardest so far same here the first year you're right you are just kind of going through the motions of everything. I
0: and think it's t- a gift from God. He puts us in that fog so we yeah. can function and live. Yeah. And yeah. That, but something about that year too, man, it hits you pretty hard. It the does first New Year's Eve when it really hits you. Oh my God, I'm literally starting. Oh my it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm okay. I go to sleep at 10:30 before New Year's Eve. You know, midnight. It's, yeah, it's too. like eh, whatever. I don't care.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I, it was, it wasn't so bad, you know, like learning to sleep alone because, uh, for we'd already you know, been doing like, that because, because he was in on the, the hospital we bed. For, for, yeah. 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 So we that wasn't a big thing, and but it was. It's just making sure that you have. You know, and I have one really solid friend um, that is my sounding board. That is my, you know, she's my rock. I'm her rock. And we kind of connect every couple of days and say, so how's your life today? And great. How's your life? It sucks. You know, then we just sound off to each other. And she knew my husband and she knew and she was with me through the process. And so I've got that really good friend. And like I said, I've got my group of ball players and now I've got the horses. So I'm just, like I said, I'm picking up new interests as I go. Yeah. And I'm trying You're building to build in your
0: life. You've, you've started building your own life. I'm
1: trying to figure out who I am again.
0: Yeah. I d- You, you know? probably physically ask yourself that I did one time. I said, yeah. who are you? You're not yeah. Bill's wife anymore. You're legally not his widow anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who are you and what do you do? And I don't know. I finally just, for me, and I've posted this in the support groups on Facebook before that Bill did fight really hard to live. He fought really yeah. hard to still live. And I just one day woke up and I thought, how dare you dishonor him by not living? get up and live and my mother told me she said you want because she she's buried she buried two husbands before she died she said you're gonna have to make your your mind up to get up and live the life you want and go get it because nobody's gonna bring it to you so between my mom telling me that and my husband fighting so hard to live and to be positive I just one day decided okay I'm going to, if I'm going to have a life, I have to go get it. And that's what I've been doing yeah. now for a couple of years. So it sounds yeah, like you're I'm doing, just... you're in that process too now, aren't you? Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm in the process of figuring out who I am and where I want to go. Good. And moving into this house was huge for me. Um, It's a tiny little wartime type house. It's got everything that I needed and wanted. Um, But the bonus is. My kids and grandkids are across the street. Right. And, and I've got my other daughter.
0: This is, I live in a, a mobile home. I guess you could say it's man. It's a manufactured home. It doesn't have wheels on yep. or anything, but it's so very, it's large and it's not, it's not a new one. It's actually a couple of decades old, but I've fixed it yep. up. I've remodeled a lot on my own inside yep. and uh, it's mine. Uh, it's yep. all mine. Everything in here is mine. And that. Yep. Is what helped me is having my own space my own decor my yeah. own everything that I haven't shared really with anybody other than my pets and exactly. um, it's just this is my place and yeah. that's what helped me a lot so I was I mean, actually glad not to have to sell a house or any of that um well and I'm
1: glad I did sell the house oh yeah um, I I miss it some days absolutely. But it's you know it was a huge four-level split. What am I gonna do with all this space? I'm right, paying- you would have
0: been lost in that long big I house. Was.
1: I was. Um, I, I I really was. And I found, I think now that I look back, I was really sad mm-hmm. until I left that house. Yeah. Um, once I got here, then I'm not so sad anymore. I'm I'm looking at my accomplishments now. Yeah. And look at this. I can do this on my own. I can go through all this on my own and I'm pretty proud of myself.
0: And you know, and I know Mike he, is proud of you too. You know, he is.
1: I know he is. I know. And, and that makes me happy. Yeah. That I believe my happy.
0: bill is proud of me too. Yeah. And that makes a difference. I know,
1: I know he was because even in the reading, it came through, I was talking about selling the house and he's like, I thought we talked about this. and I just said to her I said yes we had talked about it but I'm still doing what I want to do and so that was kind of the first step in it and I have no regrets
0: yeah well that's what I wanted to hear you have no regrets and you're moving forward so we're gonna go ahead and end this episode I think it's been wonderful talking to you both last week two weeks ago and today I'm so happy to hear that You're progressing in life. You're making good decisions for yourself and uh, finding old interests new again and finding really new interests. I think it sounds wonderful and you've given everyone listening something to think about for themselves as well. And I just thank you so, so much, Lee, for coming on Life after that and sharing your and Mike's story and now your story after ALS.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm glad to, uh, to have been here and i hope that someone else will just feel a little better after this.
0: Okay, so too. Well, thank you once again.
1: Oh, thank you.